0: Welcome to the Thriving in the Word podcast. We are so happy to have you listening today and it's a great conversation that we have as we dig deep in the Word. If you're enjoying the Thriving in the Word podcast, we would invite you to like it on whichever podcast service you use, leave a comment, a rating, review, even share it on social media. Let your friends and family know about what we're doing here. We hope that you enjoy this edition of Thriving in the Word. So here we are back in Malachi. This will be our final week in Malachi, and also incidentally our final week in the minor prophets. This has been quite a journey, uh, one that uh, I think has been enlightening for at least us that have been studying it, and it's been uh, interesting to study some of these lesser talked-about prophets, and Malachi being the final, uh, final one of the minor prophets the final book in the Old Testament, and this is our final week of this, so a lot of finales here. Uh, But let's just jump right in. Anything uh, Anything stood out to you as we've been reading
1: Malachi here? If no one's going to jump in, this is going give anyone a chance. Wow. This has been oh, and by the way, we have Johnny,
0: Lenny, Ben, and, <laughs> that's right, Dewey, right, and, yeah. and
1: myself, Judah,
0: here with us all today. Right, so, and Johnny's apparently going to kick it off because yeah, right. everyone, everyone, everyone uh,
1: waited, uh, waited half a second. I, yeah, I waited. I was like, "No not say anything. I'm
0: going. Nah.
2: There's been times when he said that and like five minutes go by. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to share uh, the word with everybody. So, All right, so Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Now, the reason why I have this highlighted, and I actually highlighted it in multiple uh, versions of the Bible. The New American Standard Bible, a very word-for-word translation, the ESV, uh, New King James. Uh, I even went back to the Septuagint, so like the Lexan Bible, the original uh, Greek and everything. And the reason why I find this uh, fascinating is because if you remember after Jesus' baptism in the River Jordan by John the Baptist, he was led out by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness— to be tempted by the devil, okay. <clears throat> and uh, if you remember that what the devil basically uh, tempts Jesus, and Jesus says, "You won't put the Lord your God to the test, right?" For it is written. But what do we see here in Malachi uh, chapter three, verse ten? What you end up seeing is is a very rare instance where God says, "Go ahead, test me." Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful. So I'm just going to read it Uh, right now. I am in the NASB. Bring the whole tithe into my storehouse so that there may be food in my house and put me to the test. Now in this says the Lord of armies, if I do not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows, then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor the vine in the field, prove fruitless for you, uh, says the Lord of armies, right? How powerful is that for God to say, give me my tithe. Fill up the storehouses with food, right? Like, give me your wo- everything. And and here's the thing, you know, a tithe, traditionally speaking, and, this, and he is speaking to the Israelites, not us under, you know, grace now under, you know, Jesus, we don't live under the law anymore. I understand all those things but it's so powerful to think like, what is a tithe to us? It's giving from a joyful heart. It doesn't have to be food. It doesn't have to be money. It could be your time. You can volunteer in any one of the small groups or ministries or help out with teaching or whatever it may be, right? But what's more powerful than giving your life to the Lord? Like it says um, in the New Testament, it says, you know, be um, a living sacrifice. Let your life be like a, a sacrifice that is righteous and holy for the Lord, right? Like. What does it mean to serve in the kingdom, to serve the most high, to serve God, the God of the universe, right? Who, who keeps your heart beating in your chest, right? Who knits us together in our mother's womb or our children, right? God, who is the tr- the true sovereign of everything. Like I, I was meditating on this and just so many Bible verses are popping into my head. And one that I came across was, <clears throat> um, it was a Francis Chan sermon or something like that that just happened to come up on my YouTube. I uh he was talking about how, like I'm 39 years old, right? But I wasn't a thought in God's mind 39 years ago for him to create me in my mother's womb. Because the Bible says that he had me in mind or you in mind before he laid the foundations of the earth. So you were like eternally chosen by God to be part of the covenant of Abraham, to be grafted in Mm -hmm. to the family, be it an Israelite, a Jew, or a Gentile, a non-Jew, right? Mm -hmm. And how powerful is that? how powerful is it? Like, so, so when I'm reading this, like bring the tithe, then of course, I want to now give my life to God even more. Just reading Malachi 310. I do. It's not about testing God, but he's saying here, call my bluff, go ahead see, test me. I'll show you, you know, I've tasted your goodness. You know, this is like a promise from God right. and, and, I, and I, and I, and I, and I believe these promises, man. So that that's just one thing that just jumped out at me completely is, uh, it was Jesus being tempted in the wildernesses. I always look for Jesus in the Old Testament. And that's the first thing that came to mind with Malachi three ten.
3: Well, the, with the with the way you're saying it, I can I feel like it's like, he, you know, Jesus is saying it with like uh, when he was in the desert, like he was in an uncomfortable situation, very uncomfortable, right? But when he got baptized, that's storing treasure in heaven. When I got baptized, you know, um, I immediately sometimes revert to like. Why would I go backwards? Why would I go and do that sin? I just dedicated my life to Jesus, or I did this, or I did that. And I feel like oftentimes we have this like conversation within our heads that like um, we're not strong enough to continue to move forward, but really we just that's an opportunity to allow the Holy Spirit to help and transform your heart, to make the right decisions when you're being tempted, right? But then when I see, um, when you're reading here in Malachi 3, chapter 10 towards the, the bottom, says, try it. Put me to the test. Again, an uncomfortable situation. But this time, he's just like, it's compelling.
1: I got you. Yeah. I
3: got you. Yeah. Like, from he's frustrated. Yeah. Like, he's he's like, guys, you've been, like, and if you read bef- before yeah. that, in verse 8. 8 and 9, I know. I right? Like, saying, how yeah, many yeah. times is he saying, you're cheating me, you're cheating me, you're cheating me, you're cheating me. You're cheating me. It starts off, yeah, well, Come on. Rob God, like, <laughs> right? and then, uh, yeah, you're giving, and then it's, talking about how you're giving me a blind sheep.
4: Yeah, that Let's give them that, that one. That, that, those two lines actually <laughs> were the focus. I didn't look at 10 as closely as Johnny did, but I did look at 8 and 9 and cheating God. And thinking about uh, Leviticus, I think it is, is where tithing came about. And, <clears throat> excuse me, so there was a, under the law of Moses, that you know financial arrangement that the people had uh, that was enumerated or elaborated in in Leviticus about tithing in the 10th. And I don't know if it was you, Judah, the last time we met saying, you know, that was a 10th, and do we need to just give a 10th? So in the New Testament, which after Malachi, we skip, you know, the 400 years, and we go into the New Testament, there's nothing about tithing. Not that I know of. If you guys know that, uh, well, it's I, Matthew
0: twenty-three, three, where where Jesus, uh, where he he criticizes the Pharisees because the Pharisees, he says, you know, you're so careful to tithe, a tenth, give a tenth of your your spices and all of these things, and then he said, but you don't love anybody, and he says, yes, you should do the former, but without forgetting. The latter. right? Love. So exactly. He kind of, kind of reemphasized yeah. without love, it. But, but but it's, it's, it's a lot lesser of yeah, an it's emphasis it's, than yeah, the old. It's not
4: commanded. Yeah. We're not commanded. That, I guess maybe that's what I mean. Verses in in Leviticus where they in the Old Testament the law of Moses the Mosaic law were uh, there was a commandment in the New Testament not commanded to do that. But as you said, Judah the and as Jesus Jesus espouses the for me you know, the the principle remains to give. Not right. necessarily tithing, which is a tenth or whatever mm-hmm. that is, but um, as Christians uh, and that 's why that that eight and in, in in nine ahead of ten there was important to me. Are we cheating God as Christians as as we talk about uh, the New Testament or what we believe in as Christians? are we giving consistently sacrificially and, and I think you brought that up jude i, I don't know if you i don't know why I want to keep saying it was you sacrificially. Mm-hmm. In other words, are we giving enough that it's actually a sacrifice? I don't, uh, can you yeah. recall talking about that? Oh yeah, well yeah, that? yeah, because because yeah,
0: yeah. because for some people, um, giving a tenth really has absolutely no impact in their life. Yeah. You know, and and, yeah, yeah. and it's not sacrificial at all. And yeah. and and so so I I think that um that with with this thing and, and I mean I, and I want to just kind of um clarify the distinction because a lot of times we say like well you know the the serving the time the energy resources and all and 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 that that is true we are to do that but these are specifically a tithe is specifically a tenth and it's a tenth of your goods that you're bringing so it's not
1: so much the volunteer
0: it's not so much to the house of god though so
1: maybe it's coffee beans or spices or cookies or in
0: their culture it was it was whatever their um whatever their increase was so whatever your increase was so you have an increase in you know, whatever, to go ahead, chickens put it. or yeah. money or whatever your increase is, you bring that. In fact, growing up, there was a guy um, that came to, to our church and uh, my dad being the pastor he would like literally bring us a 10th of his, like uh, his garden. Like that's he, awesome. he, we're like, you know, he's like, he's like, I just want to take this literally. And he's Beautiful. like, supplied us with, uh, with vegetables. And he was uh, on a mission to harvest from the ground 12 months out of the year. Um, anyhow, that, that's, uh, that's cool. Though, yeah. yeah. It, that's a, you know, he, he just took it very seriously for most of us. The only increase that we really have is, is financially yeah, for the course, most part. Yeah. So that's where, where it applies. In what I will say is that yeah, we're not under the law anymore. Just as Jesus would eat with unwashed hands, he would um, uh, harvest grain and eat that on the Sabbath. He'd heal on the Sabbath. There was many things that he did. I don't, I don't believe that um, that the curse necessarily still stands here. But what I do believe is that the blessing does still stand. Exactly. And, exactly. And so, so there's spiritual laws here that that, that for example, um, and I'll give you an example of of say uh just with with health and eating right because i did this for a while where i i just decided for whatever reason i was gonna only eat uh kosher uh food i shouldn't say kosher foods because i didn't care about kosher i was just not gonna eat unclean animals right so no shellfish no pork no you know um gnats uh things like that <laughs> um and uh, no camels um yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh so so i didn't eat those things for a period of time and i will say that it was uh it was healthier right um so now, now I do, and obviously we we can we see evidence all throughout Scripture. And there's some people that will die on this hill of like well, we should still not eat this. I'm like clearly through Peter and Paul and through different things. I mean, we 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 see that that has been clarified that we are now able to eat at, uh, these these uh, these foods now. But it doesn't mean that the benefit has been taken away, mm-hmm. right? Because if you look at the unclean animals, nine times out of ten, maybe ten times out of ten, they're all bottom feeders they're all waste animals they're the garbage disposals of the world right pigs and catfish and you know yeah shellfish shellfish and all these things so uh so that being said even though the law has been lifted the benefit is still there and and i've never once in my entire life or ministry seen someone make a commitment to give at least a 10 percent of say income i've never seen them not be blessed beyond, as they which is what it's God's word. Promises. Right. And and this is the thing, only man. time yeah. in Scripture yeah. that God says to test me. Yeah. Usually, yeah. the only time. Usually, He's saying, "Don't, don't test, test me." me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, but right. This one right. time, right. He's right. saying right. to test me. Right. So, so that being said, yeah. it's, it's, we it's, we don't live under the obligation of the law anymore. For no, many but the, people, but the
4: principle is still right. there. So the I'm not going out to get locusts and honey right now for The principle is there to give, as I said. Consistently, but but the key word for me is sacrificially. In you know, other right. is it is it truly a sacrifice? In, in addition, though, in addition to giving sacrificially and consistently, doing it with joy.
2: Right. Mm. Yes. That, that brings up the question of why. So if you're and I do this myself, and I, I challenge anybody that who is you know you're doing stuff for the church, and you're getting stressed out. Stop for a second and ask yourself, why am I doing this? right? And if it comes down to, oh because I have to because if I don't, I'm going to disappoint everybody and everybody's expecting this, no, no you and maybe you should take a, maybe you should think more about it and talk to somebody. But if it's something like if you say why and it's because I want to see the joy on people's faces. I want to see this come together. I want to mm-hmm. feel I want to feel the I, I, I call it the magic, but the magic of when it all comes together. Because what does that God happen? say
0: about offerings that are yeah. offered inauthentically? Exactly. You know, we see that all through these minor prophets, right? Yep. He's like, I don't want your stinking offering. <laughs> you know, right. It's like he, he wants our heart. And we see that reflected in the New Testament. It says don't, don't give out of compulsion. Don't give out of, you know, arm twisting. Don't it's like God loves a cheerful giver. It's like we need to be giving because of the fact that it's like...
4: If you're not doing it joyfully... Don't do it. Like, and it's and just that, not worth it.
2: And that goes into like where I'm reading here. I mean, we've read this already. But should people cheat God? And talking about cheating God, and we're taking it financially, but also it could be looked at like if you're serving and you're doing it because someone's expecting it to, you to do it, to do it, and you're doing a halfway job. Here, up my language, <laughs> a halfway job of doing it instead of doing it full way. You know, um, that's the same as cheating because it's like. Um, I, I, you know, uh, there was somebody who... Uh, one time somebody went and cleaned the bathrooms instead of me doing it. Mm. And then I went in there and I could instantly tell that they didn't really do a good job. Mm. And you know, it's like, then don't do it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, this, this actually all goes back a little, as far as the sacrificing yeah. for God thing is like, you know, we get up when we go to work to provide for our families, right? Or maybe if you're stay at home then you take care of the household you keep it clean you know you know maybe you cook, etc you take care of the the yard or, or the garden, whatever you have right um, so that's like the sacrifices we do for our loved ones right and the same thing goes maybe when you're at work you know you're expected you know they pay you for your time or maybe on a salary, and you're sacrificing your time or your energy or hard work or whatever it may be it's like well what that's why the sacrifice is so important to God. It's we do these things because we love our family or we love money, right? And that's why we mean? do it. It's like, are we loving God when God right. is always loving right. us? He's what are we chasing? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Right, right. Right. right? And this goes back to Malachi one six, where he says he's talking to the priest He says, by offering polluted food, uh, actually, it's, it's actually Malachi chapter one verse seven, uh, by offering polluted food upon my altar, and, and he's like, try that with your governor.
3: Hey, right, right, you know? right, So it's like
1: it's 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 not only it never fly. It's only that it's not loving, but it is half, or, or we we could say uh, haphazardly done. Right? Yeah, 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 it's yeah. it's 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 done. It's done to say, oh, I did it. Not done to actually do it out of I love you, so that, therefore. Yeah. Right. So, and I, I think it's important to adjust when we talk about sacrifice, and to go back to the baptism thing. We're talking about before in Malachi chapter three verse ten where Jesus is tempted by um, the devil, he's led out by the Holy Spirit, and he says, you won't put the Lord your God to the test. And then we see in Malachi where he's saying, like, test me, but the baptism part, the water baptism, if, if this is my understanding, but please correct me, you guys are pastors and stuff, right? i have been walking with the Lord longer than me. That's like the forgiveness of sins is why John the Baptist was doing it, right? Mm-hmm. Now, we know Jesus was a spotless lamb, but we also know Jesus did it to lead because we have to follow, right? So... Once you've been cleaned of your sins, right, you still have to receive the Holy Spirit. You still have to receive Christ, right? It says for those who receive Christ, they've been basically given the inheritance of God. And what do you see here when he says, go ahead, test me. I, I'll open up the windows of heaven so that you'll have more than enough. Right. That's, that's the inheritance that we get when we're in Christ. Yeah. And it's the same inheritance that's offered before even Jesus shows up on the scene, right. just by their faith. That they're apparently lacking, just like when Jesus is talking to the um one of the one of the Roman centurions or guards, and he goes, "In not all of Israel have I found faith like this." Right. Yeah. All of Israel, all the tribes, all you know, it's a massive nation at that point. Right. You know, it's like they they were so big at that point that God had to, or not God, but the the Egyptians thought it'd be a good idea to call them back in in Moses' day, Right. right? Right. So you know. Yeah. It's powerful stuff. You know
2: that the a point that was brought up probably months ago now was uh all these other th- things that we read in the bible these none of these couple, none of these uh tribes or whatever are still around except for the Jews, oh yeah, yeah I I nations know, know, yeah.
1: yeah yeah, yeah, that's a great argument for the validity of scripture you know it's like yeah. how how can you reconcile that yeah you know, and then it, what's funny is we read over the twelve um minor prophets. Mm-hmm. And I learned so much during these Bible studies and during, and during the podcast, just reading through those books over and over again. Because what do you see God talking about? Israel is the apple of his eye, mm-hmm. it's, you know, and if you know that expression, it's like the most tender part of, of your eye. It's your iris, right? So, yeah. so anybody who harms Israel, it's like sticking your finger in God's eye, right? And it's not just that. It's like they're the most blessed people because God chose them for the line of David so he could have his son pass through Mary and, and be mm-hmm. the savior of the world, right, to be the Messiah. But they're also sort of the, the most cursed nation or family on earth because what does it show in the Old Testament? God says, oh, I'm rising up the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, the, the Syrians, the, the Egyptians, the, the whoever, to conquer them because of their lack of faith, because of their great hubris and pride, mm-hmm. because of them not being the high priesthood of humanity like they're supposed to be, leading people to understand who God is and who we are as humans.
4: Well, the, the counterpart to God choosing... Israel as his favored nation, is expectation. And God had expectations. And we see that throughout the minor prophets that we've read. There was expectations. And many times, a lot of times, most times, the people of Israel didn't meet those expectations. But
1: sometimes they did through the prophets, which was, which was so important in the whole story, right? <clears throat>
3: you
1: know, it's like I'm saying, like, we got to build, like, we have to rebuild the walls here. Or, or um. You know, like, they'd be crying out to them, like, like basically, like, repent, even in the Old Testament. They were like, please. Like, they're and pleading with people. And I agree with, with you, Johnny. Yeah.
4: My, my point is that it applies to us, too. Oh, of course. As Christians, we are followers of Jesus Christ and, and we have favored status if we want that, if we repent, if we do what we're supposed to. But there's expectations for us, too. That's right. We, we've talked about this before with Voice of the Martyrs. No, are we in a country where, you know, if we uh, profess our faith for Jesus Christ, we're going to get shot, killed, or hung? No. Not yet. We're not there. Not yet. However— There are expectations even within our own country being Christians is what I'm saying.
1: Absolutely. The thing is, we
3: never will be martyred here in the United States, though. I mean, I don't think I'll be around to see it where I get to like lay down my life for the sake of the gospel. Don't count on it. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, I feel the other... I, feel, <laughs> I don't know, man. No, no. <laughs> I
1: feel on the other end of the spectrum. Yeah, we're like yeah. we're in a first world country, and yeah, we have religious freedom here, and so far we still have freedom of speech. But there is sort of a cultural revolution that's happening that we do Ho- talk hopefully
0: about. Hopefully you're right, though. I mean,
3: hopefully Well, no, you're no, right. I was actually getting to that point. Okay, you yeah. were right. I, I love that you commented like that, because when it... In Malachi 4, uh, in the beginning of it says, like, the Lord of the heavens armies, the day of judgment is coming burning like a furnace. On that day, the, the arrogant and the wicked will be burned up like a straw. They will be consumed, roots, branches, and all, right? And so I'm thinking about this, and I'm like, wait a second. Like, God's wrath, and like, it, it, it's, it, yeah, it's very scary, but at the same time, I, I judgment, right? Mm-hmm. When you think about political debates, arguments, and just the state of this world, I've been able to take the back seat, and I'm just like, holy crap, this world is corrupted it's broken I don't think I've ever really really saw it until at least within the last year or two I'm just like wow this is insane but watch this who's to blame humans no yeah yeah, sure but God too how many times if I've had conversations well God created it right how many times has has a celebrity got the pinnacle of fame and who are they who are they thanking God right you think God really, like, encouraged you to create that, that porn scene? Are you serious right now? Right. That's what I'm talking about. So, yeah, don't count on it, but there will be a day where I might have to. Are you, are you will you? Yeah. Because this is, this is serious because, it, you know, and it continues on in verse 2 in Malachi 4, but for you who fear my name, the son of the righteousness will rise with healing in his wings, and you will go free, leaping with joy like calves left out on a pasture and a pasture is 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 big and open and flourishing and and, and vibrant and it's got nourishment for everything right like and i just that's where i want to be and let me tell you like as a church as brothers in christ like we have to also like create that pasture as well mm-hmm. give people the opportunity to gallop give people the opportunity to grow to, st- to put that that you know to 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 focus on what it looks like what they're putting in their storehouse right um because that's 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 the the message here that's the the, the focus is for us that we can all have we have a hope we have uh we can obtain this pasture that malachi is talking about and in, and in, in, in chapter four where like god wants to bless us
2: and, and the, the line right here leaping with joy like calves let out of, of a uh, lot out to pasture you ever see that video where they have to let the cows out legally by law into the to go have a day they're to play around and how excited that one cow got and absolutely. he's all jumping around. Yeah, it's adorable. Horses do that. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Absolutely. There, it's freedom. So, freedom.
1: so Malachi 4 verse 2, but for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings, right? When you need healing, you are broken. When you, when you need healing, you are sick, right? So of course the world is a mess, right? Of course, that's what God offers us—redemption. Mm-hmm. Judas says it all the time. He specializes in restoration. Lazarus, come out of the tomb. He sp- specializes in resurrection. Right. Mm-hmm. This is the God we serve. <laughs> so you're talking, but you're talking about the state of the world and how jacked up it is. And it's like it was no different in Malachi's day than it is today. We're always talking about the relevance of the Old Testament.
0: Right.
1: As as we've read through all these twelve prophets over the past six months, it's like. Any of those, almost any of these books could have been applied to today because humans are still sick. They're still broken. The world is still a fallen creation. Right. And that's why we need the Redeemer, the wonderful counselor, the Prince of Peace, because our world is not at peace. You know, one thing, uh, and this is kind of going back to what we're talking about with, with, say, the
0: the law and the generosity and a lot of these things, is that um, I think that the thing that Jesus did in our life through forgiving us, I mean, obviously, Jesus raised the bar in a lot of ways, right? The old covenant said don't murder, Jesus says don't Even don't hate. Don't hate yeah. You know, or don't don't commit adultery, don't lust. I mean, he was raising the bar in many ways, but the motivation changed, right? Because under the old covenant, you did it because you had to, because this is what was required of you. And under the new covenant, we do things because we get to. Because we are responding out of love and gratitude. To what god has done for us and, and a verse that popped into my mind was uh, Acts 432 which is this is talking about the early church you know so they're gathering together and it says all the believers were united in heart and mind and they felt that what they owned was not their own so they shared everything they had mm. beautiful like have you ever uh, seen that to the kingdom it's uh, the kingdom like, that will like come have you ever, like, ever
4: seen it in practice no. oh, oh man
0: i mean I, i've been in ministry for i don't know 25 years now i've never seen that you know never seen where where people and now now there are have been some communities out there and sometimes they take weird turns um honestly but but there have been some people that have, have attempted but it's like this is the beauty of it where, where it's it's not like oh um i need to go and pay my tithe right it's like no God owns everything. I'm I'm kingdom minded. Mm-hmm. I want to advance Nothing the kingdom to me. Right. with my my uh, my life, my energy, my resources, and I think that is where the freedom uh, comes in many ways. Is because uh, the more more we give, the more we serve, the more we do this, the more of God's blessings are attracted into our life. Not that we do them for the blessing, right? Right. We don't do it for the reward. We do it out of love for God and for his kingdom and for the church and these things. And as a result, his blessings pour out on us where, uh, where we don't have room to store them. And, um, and, and I just, I mean, like, like this verse, I mean, I I think it's, uh, I highlighted it as well about the, the leaping, like the cow, the calves let out and the son of righteousness bringing healing in his wings. And and it's all like, you can see this like preparation, right? I mean, there, there's, um, mm-hmm. what I think 400 years between between Malachi and the birth of Christ, something like yeah. that yeah, they call it the yeah, sil- yeah, the silent yeah, years yeah. Yeah. And, but, yeah. but, but what but what, I, what I what I visualize in these last verses of Malachi is the sprout if you ever watch like a, a plant you know in, uh, in uh, time lapse, it's like the sprout pushing the dirt up. It's like it's almost here. It's like, it's like, you know, and, and the whole tone turns right here. The son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. On that day when I act, you'll tread on the wicked as if they're dust under your feet. Remember to obey the law of Moses, my servant, and the decrees for all Israel. But this, this last verse, or last two verses, I think just kind of like, I mean, you couldn't end the Old Testament better. It says, look, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah. Before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. His preaching will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Otherwise, I'll come and strike the land with a curse. And and who's the prophet Elijah, right? I mean, he's sending uh, John the Baptist, who's the one who comes and prepares the way. And, and we see Jesus reemphasize that John the Baptist was the Elijah type uh, character in the story. And it's like, it's like you say, Okay, guys, you gotta sit and wait.
2: But It's coming, you know. Is he uh, is he an Elijah-like character, or is he Elijah uh, brought back to life? No, Who, you get to have he's Elijah-like.
4: I mean, <laughs> <him laughs> and that's what happens for, agree, for for so, anybody following this. This is, of course, this is the we know this is the last book of the Old Testament, the twelfth of the minor prophets that we're reading. So, in Malachi has gone through this. I summarize this. He has pronounced God's justice. Mm-hmm the promise of restoration, and the coming of the Messiah, which is on the minds of the Israelites now. Constantly, So now they've got that in their mind, and now we have 400 years of silence, but all of a sudden it picks up. If we read Matthew 3, 2... What is happening? John the Baptist says, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Right. So he's exhorting his listeners to do the same thing. It's almost like that 400 years is connected by Malachi to to John the Baptist right there. Right. there, there I mean, it, it just picks up where it left off, really. It beautiful? Yeah. It's not just a myth. No. It's, it, it's true. It, it, <laughs> like, it right? picks up. I, I, I went there. I go, okay, let me go for 400 years, and you get a similar message by God's next prophet— Elijah- like John the Baptist, who says, "Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near." And right. in, in either you, Johnny or Lenny was talking about repenting about what we need to do. And there it is. John the Baptist picks it up and just continues the story.: Yeah how, get how ready?: can, get yeah, ready.
1: How, how can you, how can you um, grab a hold of this new kingdom? Where there's forgiveness and compassion and, and empathy, and we're lifting up one another, and we're sharing all of the resources, we're sharing our inheritance that we have in Christ, you know, with God. If we're holding on to sins, you can't. That's what repentance is, right? Is it to let go of your sin and grab a hold of Christ, right? Right, you know. So, and as you were saying that, Judah, and you were talking about um, how Jesus was raising the bar, I just immediately thought of uh, Matthew chapter five, verse twenty, where it says, "For I say to you." that unless your righteousness far surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Mm. So the scribes and the Pharisees, who are they? They're like the religious leaders. They're, they're the sort of the, the judge, best. jury, yeah, and executioners. They study Torah. A lot of them have it memorized front to back, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, and then the scribes are the ones that are... They, it, yeah. yeah, they're actually writing it to give it to the new generation of the Pharisees, Sadducees, and so on, These, these elite, if you will.
4: Now, I might be thinking differently, but I'm thinking, okay, the Scribes and the Pharisees, yeah, they were considered elite, but are they the high bar? Of course, yeah. (laughs) If you think about them, I I understand what you're saying. Yeah, they didn't have have the New Testament, they didn't have Jesus. That isn't the, I mean, back then, yes, if you were, you know, a commoner, you'd be wanting to aspire if we could only be like them. As I look back on it, now I'm thinking, well,
0: and, and I think that's the point Jesus was making. He said, yeah, you all want to be like them, yeah. but it's not good enough. Yeah. <laughs> well, they
1: they, they're they're exactly. just as doomed as you are. This is where the gospel you know, comes yeah. in, though. This is where yeah. the gospel comes in, and the gospel is central to our faith, right? So he says, unless it far surpasses that of what you would consider the, the, the holy rollers, the most high and righteous, right? You're not going to enter the kingdom. But we know how corrupted they were because Jesus called them out. He, he says, your father's the devil, he says. Right. How, this this will be a house of praise, flipping over tables, fashions whip from cords, and driving them out. The money, the money changers. Hypocrites. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so so here's the world looking at the Pharisees like, oh, this is who we need to learn about God from. This is where the theology comes from. This is where faith comes from. Is us going to, uh, you know, Shabbat and you know going to a synagogue and learning from these guys. And lo and behold, what do you see? So how does one obtain righteousness that far surpasses them? How do we do that today?
4: Well, for the can you imagine the run of the mill if you can call them that, uh, Jewish faithful, and they look at these Pharisees, let's say scribes and Pharisees, but Pharisees, and, and what they thought of them, and you know, the place and the position that they put them on, the pedestal that they put them on or had to hold them on, because the Pharisees did that themselves, so it caused the rank and file to put them there, and then you have Jesus coming along and calling them among other things, hypocrites.
1: As a blue-collar worker well, as from, a blue-collar from Nazareth. Worker,
4: think, though, if, if, if we are that that Jewish faithful to the Pharisees, what would you be thinking if you had somebody that is a commoner, a carpenter, and he's calling the people that you consider the highest hypocrites? Right. Think It'd be like going to the White that. House. It'd be like going yeah. to the White House well, and being around well, well, all the yeah. leaders
1: of the world or the UN, and you come in there—I mean, I'm a tattoo artist, or, or, you know, you're a pastor, you know, like— same thing, you guys are on church staff, you know, you, you have a business, but you go, the world's elite, and then you're just like, you guys are all hypocrites. You say one thing, and then you do another.
4: Think about that, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I thought, I'm wow, well, oh imagine putting yourself there, and and now what do these people think of the saying, this person who we know is Jesus Christ, and to them, they're trying to figure out who he is, he's calling... Our leaders, our so-called leaders.
1: The rich, the famous, the wealthy, the powerful. and, and, And to drive that point
0: home a little bit further, the interesting thing of this was that we're saying Pharisees and scribes, but there was another that we didn't mention, which is the Sadducees, right? So you have the Sadducees who are the old guard. They, they were the established Jewish leadership. Um, for the most part, They I believe they held most of the seats in the Sanhedrin um, at the time. So they were the ruling class in many ways. The Pharisees were the up-and-coming. They were saying, we need to go back to some of the original things. The The Sadducees have kind of led us astray. We've kind of went the wrong way, and we're going to come back to the truth of the, the Torah. We are going to—and and so they began to— um. This is the up and coming. This is the progressives. The the you know, the and, reformers. And, right. Or whatever. And so they're, yeah. they're going, and then now they're infiltrating the Sanhedrin. You got the scribes. They're the 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 lawyers, the judges, the 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 people who are documenting everything. You've got these two sides. So so in a normal conversation, you know, like today, we we argue Democrats and Republicans in our country. They would be arguing. Sadducees and Pharisees we're oh oh, you're you're a Pharisee well you know what you're 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 conservative conservative, you know or, or, or yeah or whatever however however it shook out then so so for Jesus coming in it's just interesting that that he came in and and they say nothing unites you more than a common enemy, right? So now you see the Sadducees and the Pharisees Want to kill starting all. to come together. Like, like we don't like each other, but we know we don't like this guy. Exactly. You know, and exactly. and so so he's ruffling everyone's feathers because yeah. see the Pharisees part of their thing was we need to come back to the truth of it because we, because the Messiah is coming. So they're like we need to look for the Messiah. The Sadducees oh, yeah. are basically like ah well you know what we just got to keep maintaining what we've always maintained. So so you get this, and it's like, if we were there in that culture, we would probably, you know, maybe we'd be leaning towards the the Pharisees, because we're like, you know what, Th- these guys are the ones that are going to spot the Messiah. The Sadducees, they're all old school, you know, right. and and our, They got us into this mess. Yeah. yeah maybe yeah. our parents are like, oh, I can't believe my kids turning into a Pharisee, you know, because <laughs> the Sadducee is the way to go. You know, right. and, and then Jesus coming in and being like you're all blind guides, White you're all tombs. whitewashed tombs. Whitewashed tomb. You look so clean on the outside, but inside you're full of dead man's bones. You brood of
3: vipers. Yeah. It's like ho, ho. Gauntlets thrown down. So you're telling me for the 400 years they didn't really prepare that well?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, well, here's the thing. A lot of people would lose faith after 400 years right. of oppression, right? But
0: think about 400 years from now, though, or uh, in the past, right? That would be what 16, 21. Yeah. I mean this is before the foundation really of our country. I mean 400 yeah. years yeah. is a
1: long time. The it 1600s, is. man. Yeah. I mean, we don't speak yep. the same. But the point I was trying to make is how the gospel is central when you're comparing things like that where it says for I say in Jesus raising the bar, for I say to you that unless your righteousness far surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. So, how do we how do we get that kind of righteousness? I can't do it on my own, but what I can do is I can surrender my life as a living sacrifice because I have that kind of faith and I acknowledge the grace that God has shown and the, the rich mercy he's shown to me and my family and to all my brothers and sisters in Christ right. by dying on the cross mm-hmm. and me confessing with my mouth Jesus is Lord and believing in my heart that God raised him from the dead. And I received that gift of salvation that, and, and what does it say? It says, it's just, it's just like he did with um, uh, with uh, with Joshua, I think it wasn't, he he took off his dirty garments and gave him white robes and made him spotless yeah. like the spotless lamb so i am the righteousness of god lord have mercy but i'm the righteousness of god because i'm i made right i've been reconciled to god through sure. what christ has done on the cross and that's what's beautiful about all this as we as we close out malachi
0: yeah well a lot of good stuff and like you you can see the expectation the looking forward you know and and it it was uh for us it's a fast paced thing 400 years what's well, 400 years for them 400 years man <laughs> people live and die mary and barry i mean it, it all in that 400 years period of time and it seems like god is non-existent but then like you say john shows up on the scene and uh and begins uh his declaration that the messiah well, is coming and wh- just what an expectation what a time of expectation that like was. history itself see,
2: shows so. that you know I mean, God can work very fast or stuff can be slow for a while. Look how, like, technology has changed. You are talking about 400 years ago. Like, right. there wasn't electricity. Right. You know, there wasn't any of that People stuff. People were
1: throwing their waste out of, out of their second-story windows to the streets back right. then, literally. Yeah. yeah.
2: And then in 400 years before that, the technology... I mean, yeah, there, there were changes, but it wasn't a completely different like how it is now. Right. Where, like, you know, if you told somebody 400 years ago eventually we're going to have these, these in our pockets, first you'd have to explain... What the phone was (laughs) you'd have to like i basically say like we either got five minutes or five years because you know either you're going to not get it or it's going to take me five years to explain it all to you anything in between is not going to do us any good and then it's you know so you can see that throughout history there are times when there's hundreds of years where not a lot does really happen it's just the same old song and dance for a while and then a revolution happens or Jesus is born, or something happens, you know, yeah. and <laughs> it changes it, it gets things moving
0: yeah, and, and even even in that, it's like um it, at the time, like like we look at it as very consequential, but at the time, like you know it's like if somebody's born today, right, like we don't even think about it really. I mean it's just you know and, and so it's a blip on the radar, and it really took the time, I think, to really understand the gravity. Of, of what happened. I mean, Jesus came, lived, died, resurrected, ascended in 33 years. Mm. I mean, it's like, that's a blip, yeah. you know? And it's like, and and I, I think that there's probably, I mean, people that lived a few miles away that never even heard of him still. Yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm, I don't know. I yeah, don't, I don't know listen you know. to all that garbage. <laughs> and, and, and it's like, and it's not that they're bad people. They just, they just didn't hear, but it's like, it took years for the implications of what he did to really like, Oh wow, you know, and some people certainly got it right away. Um and we're thankful for that cuz we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. But yeah, it's just astounding, so. How, put, much, put, how
2: like how much of a of a wave he made in those 33 years. Lenny is the only person at this table who has not lived longer than that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, getting and close. well any of the stuff we're doing to, uh, any of us have done have had any kind of impact like that on humanity.
1: Yeah. Put put yourself in the shoes of the Israelites though. Where there's 400 years where there isn't a prophet, where they're just going over reading the Torah, right? Where they're just you know sharing it orally, where they're memorizing it. You know that's that's one of the great arguments that that I um I love that I hear from some people all the time. In particular, when I meet some people from different um religions, right? They'll say, "Oh, you can't trust the Bible because it's 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 like the game telephone or operator where you know you get the kids in the classroom and they whisper in each other's ear, and by the end, it's not even the same." Right. And I'm like. Uh, that's a fallacious argument because it's not like that at all the the Torah was central and taught weekly if not daily in inside of households and in synagogue and not just that there was an oral tradition where they spoke it out loud so it's not like, it's not something that people could mix up when it comes to the scriptures it, it, it it's not whispering in someone's ear where it's hard it's to hear. It's very loud. It's very written down. And it's central to these, this one nation and this one family. But
0: and as bad a reputation as the scribes get, they were the caretakers.
1: That's who got assigned. Yeah. 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 And
0: they were meticulous. Yeah, they really were. They did not make mistakes.
1: Yeah. If they made
0: mistakes, it's like I went to the Martin Guitar Factory once. Martin Guitars, you cannot buy a blim. If they make a mistake... They take it on a bandsaw right <laughs> down there. Yeah, it's, beautiful. it's like, <laughs> we don't do blims. And that was the same thing with the scribes. There's no
1: scratch and dent special there? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, nope.
0: No scratch and dent scrolls.
1: <laughs> so, so, like what I was saying was just go back, you know, go back to that 400 years of silence, and immediately it strikes me Matthew uh, chapter 24, verse 42. It's titled, Be ready for his coming. Are we ready for the second coming? Are we ready for Jesus' return? And he goes into the parable of the, of the two servants where he says, you know, the master has been away at a party for a long time and they don't know when he's going to be back. And one of the two servants goes and he starts feasting and drinking and he gets drunk and he gets violent, and starts beating the other servant. And at that moment, the master returns and he sees the way that he's acting and, or she, and then puts him in the place with the hypocrites. Who are the hypocrites? We were just talking about the Pharisees. The scribes, right? And sends him to the place of the weeping and gnashing of teeth. And if you know what that means, he's talking about Sheol, the pit, the abyss, Tartarus, Hades, hell, whatever you want to call it, and whatever transliteration of the scripture you have, you're not going to get to that kingdom, period. And what's so stark about this that scares me, because I think this is one of the scariest Bible verses, period, that person was serving God. Right. Were they a pastor? Were they a teacher? Were they a volunteer? Were, were they an evangelist? That's what scares me. Were they double-minded and unstable in all that they do? Apparently, you know what I mean. Or were they repenting and letting go of that stuff to grab a hold of Christ and be saved and embrace that inheritance that we get through Jesus? That's all. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's wrap up there. You know, I think that this is a good place oh, to man. land. And, uh, and and you know, we've kind of already, you know, almost can't help ourselves to to reach into the New Testament now because it's like we all know what's coming, right?
2: Um, well, wait, what's coming? What's that? What's what's gonna happen in the next book? Yeah, I don't know. You got if you don't
0: know, stay tuned. Things <laughs> Tune are gonna get week. crazy. Um, so uh, a genealogy. Yeah, it's like that meme I saw online. This guy's like, Oh man, I started reading the Bible, I'm so ticked off. My favorite character just got killed. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, he's back. Yeah, yeah. It's like to tweeting it live as he goes. It's like um anyhow.
2: Let's uh, let I wanted to talk on uh, piggyback on okay. a point for a second. You're talking about like the, the the doing the phone game, and there's some people who do believe that the current ba- version of the Bible is just a translation of a translation of a translation or whatever.
1: That just tells me that they're biblically illiterate and they uh, haven't yeah, done their own the, research because the information's all there to search or right. research.
2: And I was gonna say, like, that that, that kind of just makes it look like people who are churchgoers don't take this seriously. A lot of them right. don't.
1: And it's like, if, if, you're
2: putting, if you're putting everything into this, when you want it. When you want to have your stuff not be a translation of a translation of a translation of a translation, you would want it to right. be yeah. as close to the original source as possible without me having to go and learn Greek. It would help. Yeah. Listen, would I'm help. not that smart, yeah. but
1: there are some um, you know, great theologians and philosophers and atheists who have already. Tested this stuff and been like, oh yeah, wow, yeah. this is actually yeah. statistically this is the most copied manuscript that we have from the ancient world. It's the most accurate, and it's the most accurate out of any of the them. Massive yeah, literally actor. orders of magnitude above other historical documents. Yeah, so, yeah. so don't believe me. Yeah. Your yeah. own Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, we like we we could we could do a deep dive in on, on that for sure because I mean, the the evidence is absolutely there. But anyhow, uh, for for next uh, next week we're gonna jump into the book of Luke. Um because luke is one of the gospels and it was one written by luke who is a physician and he wrote it much like an investigative journalist did he, he was not an eyewitness that we know of but he was one who went in and investigated who interviewed
1: as a skeptic, as a skeptic as yeah a Greek, not as a jew right
0: in- yeah, so um, so we're gonna dig into that. There's 24 chapters there. I don't know how you guys want to break it up. You want to do five chapters, ten chapters, six. six? Yeah, six, Okay, Whatever. so we'll do six chapters. We'll read that, and then we'll get back together, and we'll begin our discussion. Now moving, finally, from the Old Testament into the New Testament, into the Book of Luke. But uh, but for those of you that stuck around for the ride, hey man, congrats. Yeah, congratulations. You deserve, congratulations. <laughs> you, you deserve a, a
4: medal. <laughs> so. We've covered 12 minor prophets. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Thanks for putting up with
2: us.
4: Yeah, <laughs> And hopefully you learned something because we did. And yep.
2: that's that number 12 showing up again.
4: Yep. So anyhow, with that, Ben and his numerology will
0: close it out and we will see you guys next week. It's your matrio, Watch out. <laughs> well, we hope that you enjoyed our discussion today on the Thriving in the Word podcast. We invite you to leave a rating or a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Also consider sharing it on social media. We can't wait to be back together with you at the Thriving in the Word podcast.